Hey, um, Mike uh, has brought up a beautiful principle that God uh, put on his heart. Oh, boy. And uh, again, the part that, the place that I believe that he's thinking of is, is in, found in the type in Exodus 21 and verse 6. And what, that's, what that states there is that after, and this is very interesting the way that the scriptures work in, in the eternal mind of God, that just, they're just incredible. I mean, just think, when I think, and you and I think this morning, that God has given us the scriptures. And when we think about that in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, he breathed them out. That is his very nature he's given. It's just incredible when I think of that. Uh, and, and so when God breathes something out to us, those that are in Christ, what he's breathing out is his love for us. He, he's breathing that out, you know. And so to think that we, he's equipped us with these new natures in Christ. Of course, we'll, we, and that's why, again, we're, we're never going to be, you know, that's why it says in 1 John 4, 8 and 4, 16, that God is love. God is love. And we are children of, of the light in Ephesians uh, 5, verse 8, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and, and verse 5 and 6. We are children of the light, right? And then we can, as dearly beloved in Ephesians 5, 1, we can, in verse 2, we can walk in love, God's love for us. So it's like when he brings the scriptures in the only way that God the Holy Spirit can do that, it's that God's breathing out his love to us. I mean, he's giving himself to us. And of course, in the greatest way, he gave us his son. So in the type there, when we think about that in Exodus 21, you, you can read up uh, up into the sixth verse and down through, and again, Exodus 21, is that when the, the Hebrew servant, when he served his master after seven years, after seven years, and remember the number seven in the Bible always speaks of completion. Completion. And so after serving his master for seven years, if he said, I, I, I want to stay, I'm not going to go out. And we can see, see proper initiation even in this verse because, because the man is saying, I'm not going to go out. Neither is my wife, neither is my children. Very interesting. <clears throat> Then the master would take him and put him, put put his ear on the side of the door, and he would hammer in, in a, a hole in his ear. In the ear, and the ear there, in that type, always spoke and always does speak, and we can see that in Isaiah fifty verses four and five. He it speaks of obedience. And Jesus Christ, and that's the type there. The type of the true servant, Jesus Christ, seven, was, was obviously completion and never-ending. <laughs> and just to think that, that Christ is going to serve us for all eternity. He's going to lead us in, not, in, in our service, yes, and each of us individually in Revelation 2.17. But service has to do with our worship. And that brings in the reality of Psalm 22, verse 22, 
in Hebrews 2 and verse 12. He leads us in our service and our worship to God. And so that, that's what that is. That's the type there in Exodus 21, verse 6. That is fulfilling, and, and, and the Holy Spirit, through, through the Apostle Paul, brings it out beautifully in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and verses 5 right up to 14, where, where it says a body you, that he doesn't want a sacrifice. Sacrifice and burnt offerings. And, and of course, when you think about in, in Micah 6, 6 through 8, that's what he's bringing in this fulfillment. He, you know, sacrifice, he's shown you what is good to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God, as opposed to a will that's not submitted, but still sacrificing. And there is no proper sacrifice outside of love, because love, God is. What kind of God is God? He's a self-sacrificing God, love. And so that's what prompted Christ as the second Adam. First Adam failed in obedience. Second Adam never did. He didn't have, he had a human nature. He didn't have a sin nature. And so a body, it says, you have fit. And if you look at the interpretation of that in the Koine Greek, and remember the Septuagint, takes the Hebrew, Revelation, uh, uh, Exodus 21, verse 6, and translates it over into the Greek and gives it this full meaning. And having the ear pierced, spoke of his obedience in John 8, 29, and Romans 15, and verse 3. He always did those things that please the Father, he all, without hesitation, without an ounce of hesitation. He always did those things that please the Father. And so, he, God prepared him a body because where was that pierced? That was pierced on Calvary. And, and so that's fulfilling all, all these types. And then, you know, as, as Mike brought up uh, very beautifully this morning <clears throat> in Hebrews 13, verse 8, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, let's l look at this when we think of this. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, eternity. Eternity. Today. And today in time is when he put that body on. When he had that body. And in John 1.14, Luke 1.35, he had that body was formed. In propitiation to the Father. So that he would be the substitute between us and an impossible reconciliation. And, and to bring us, to propitiate the Father, of course, in Genesis 22 and verse 8, obviously, propitiation, God, always first. And, and that's what Jesus did. He always put his Father first, always. And in doing so, then, of course, the Father uh, could give the Son to us as the substitute, the true substitute. And thereby we have, again, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16, we, we don't know any man after the flesh. No, we don't. Old things are not in the process of passing away. They already are passed away. Christ has fulfilled all the types. All the types. He is the fulfillment of all prophecy, all types, everything in the Bible. He's the great anti-type. <laughs> and that's why even he, Jesus Christ, is the anti-type. To fulfill it, put on humanity in John 1 and verse 14. And that's why in John 1 and verse 16, 
okay? Of his fullness have we all received, and grace, anti, heaped up upon grace. Because <laughs> constantly, his God's love will flow through the grace and truth that Christ is to us. And he's done that for each of us individually. When I think about that, he literally, Jesus Christ, became a the lowest slave you can imagine. That brings in, as you said, Mike, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Brings it in incredibly. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who didn't think the manifestation of, of the fact that he was God in humanity to be something that was eagerly grasped but made himself of no reputation. Okay, so where do we function in a reputation when we function outside the character of who we are in Christ at 1 John 1, 7? We do it in the flesh. He made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form, see, there's the body, form of a servant. A form of a, of a servant. And it's just incredible when you follow these these truths down through, fulfilling just that type in Exodus twenty one, and verse six, and and uh, but made himself a no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the in the likeness of men. See likeness, human nature, no sin nature. Again, no sin nature. That's what that's teaching. Again, see no sin nature. He had, he was the spotless lamb in Exodus twelve one to thirteen. In terms of what he accomplished, and then even in terms of his obedience, and Numbers 19, 1 and 2 is a red heifer. Why is he is a red heifer there and not a male sacrifice? Because he constantly submitted, and that spoke of his constant obedience there in those, in those particular uh, verses, in Numbers 19, 1 and 2. Very beautifully brought out. And this has to do, and so what's he going to do? He's going to serve us forever. What does what does a husband do to his wife? What should he do as the initiator? She's the respondent, constantly serving. How? Self-sacrificial love. Constant self-sacrificial love. And of course, that's what we're learning. That's what I'm learning. When the man is is submitted to the head in Ephesians 4:8, then all he's going to pour out is Jesus Christ in 4:11. And then it goes right down through to, uh, to 16. And so when we look at all these verses and all the preponderance of all these verses, it just brings out the beauty of the fact that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, giving us this great opportunity today, presently, time, so, so and then forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is the great parentheses for time? Eternity. <laughs> what an opportunity this is. See, because that's, that goes into a proper service. And proper service, you know, again, goes into a, the place of proper worship. Because here, in Hebrews 13, verse 14, we don't have a continuing city. We're strangers and pilgrims in 1 Peter 2.11. But we're on our way. To a, to a city that has foundations. And that city, of course, is, has foundation. That foundation in Matthew 16, 18 is Christ himself. And we build upon that. And that even goes into not a judgment seat, but the Bema seat in 2 Corinthians 5, 
and verse 10 and all that. And, and, and again, in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to, to 15 and in Romans 14, 10 to 12. And so this always, this is always bringing out uh, true servanthood. And it's, and it's brought out again, even in Luke, the 10th chapter in verses 38 to 42, Martha was sitting at Jesus' feet, re- receiving the life in her as a vessel that does the serving. And then what comes out of that vessel when it's Christ and him alone through the vessel in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it's the treasure and the treasure is Christ. That treasure goes into the bema seat, which is gold. And gold there, again, we're in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. Gold is the, the son of God. Silver is the son of man. And out of that are all these precious stones and that, the precious stones there, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13, and 14 that takes the things of Christ that's been accomplished. It was the, the work and travail of his soul. We see that even in, 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 in the type, not like the Jews would ever understand at their best, but what we have the privilege is in Isaiah 53, 1 to 12. We see that fulfillment. So, so how do I see Exodus 21 and verse 6? Well, there's no other way but Christ. How do I, how do I understand Isaiah 53, 1 to 12? Well, it's, it's Christ. It's Christ. That was God breathing out. And so in, in this sense, when you know Christ came out of this intimate love relationship, that nothing could disturb or distract in John 1, 1 and 2. And then he put on humanity in 1 and verse 14. This is bringing out all this, this incredible beauty, this incredible beauty of the truth about who Christ is in his person, the work that he's accomplished to the glory of God the Father. And obviously that is the treasure that's in us and in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, is Christ in us in Colossians 1, 27, the hope, the guarantee of glory. And that glory for us, for us, is Romans 8, 18. But I reckon, I count it all up, that the sufferings, sufferings of this present time are not even worthy. And that's the sufferings that are in the, in the very positive sense, not suffering because of bad decisions and sins, but just suffering and filling up in Colossians 1 and verse 24, those afflictions that would have come to Christ. Because obviously, we even have that share with him. And he's appointed it to us. And so because of that, in Philippians 1, 28, we're not terrified by anything. We're not terrified, ever. Because he's never going to leave us, nor forsake us in Hebrews 13, 5. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Hebrews 13, 8. there's nothing to be terrified because in 1 John 4, 17, as he is, we're to have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And there's no fear in love because love that's completed everything about us. And that completion has to do with a perfect, complete satisfaction of the love and justice of God the Father that he's, that he's given to us. So that's why a lot of... Fear, uh, love casts out fear because fear has torment, kalesis, and he that fears is not experiencing. But love has already accomplished for them 
And that's why we need the light of who Christ is. And that's the scriptures. So out of this loving relationship came Jesus Christ. And who is he? That's why he said he's the light of the world in John 8, verse 12. He's the light that lights every man that comes into the world. It gives him that opportunity in, in John 1, in verse 9. Not that there's light in man after he fall. No, fell. There's not an ounce ever, ever. He's the light that gives every one of us, in the midst of all our ruin, the ability God, to have God. And to have God not only rule us in sovereignty as God, but a loving, affectionate Father. And so amazing when we think about these things. And they're so full. <laughs> and they're so amazing. They're just so incredible when we have, you know, when we have these things experientially, you know, because in life, I'm learning this more than I ever have. That you can know, <laughs> you can know the word of God through flesh, through fleshly interpretation, but you can't experience it. And the reason why is the flesh in us never experiences the fulfillment of God's love for us and who we are in Christ. And that's why we got to have that separation in Hebrews 4.12. You got to have that. And to be sanctified in, in John 17, 17. And think about, so to understand even Exodus 21 and verse 6 and all these verses here, no wonder he says in his high priestly prayers, he's facing the cross, having already predetermined before he goes to the cross, the cross was just a manifestation of that finished work. He had to go there and it had to be done. But in John 17 and verse 4, he already had finished the work long before chapter 19 and verse 30. And he already glorified him. So everything about us, Christ is finished and glorified. And there's no proper experience without God's love without the light. And that's why we need, that's why Jesus even said in John 17 and verse 19, I sanctified myself. <laughs> he sanctified himself. And of course, if that didn't happen, well, we, would we have a means or a source of sanctification in John 17, 17? Of course we wouldn't. So though, there's uh, some thoughts there uh, as God's given it to us this morning. Uh, about this, you know. Oh, God. And and you can even see it, you know. I mean, it's a Psalm 22 and verse 16. It says, they pierced my hands and feet. That's Calvary. They pierced my hands and feet. They meant it for evil. Oh, but God meant it for good. The height, the height of evil was met in, in Calvary. It was the height of evil. And they thought they were they thought it was over. <laughs> you know, and you see that in 1 Corinthians 2, 8. You see it. They thought they never would have crucified him. Yeah, they never would have, because that was only in the heart of God. Self-sacrificial love, of which no one knows nothing of, in an unsaved state, or us as Christians, when we function in the flesh that's in us, in Romans 8, 9, but that we're not of. And that's why, that's what knowledge will do without proper experience. And you know, and this is what I love about it. Look, it has nothing to do with natural intellect whatsoever. It has anything to do with it. Love only flows through grace, period. 
a proper experience is through grace. Through grace. Okay? It's through grace. You don't come knowing anything. We don't come knowing anything. We do not know anything without him. Can't do anything, can't know anything. In John 15, 1 to 5. So those are some thoughts as this, you know, as God as God brings them this morning. And just think, Jesus Christ the same yesterday. Today, he's forming today for our eternal meeting with him in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, because he, God deeply desired to love us like that. And of course, the only way he could do that was through his son. And that's Revelation 2 and verse 17. We feast for eternity on that hidden manna. And really, and the hidden manna and the white stone, it all goes into a, a private, deep fellowship that each individual has with Christ. And that's why then we have fellowship together. But it's based upon that intimate fellowship that we have. Pretty awesome. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. The word of God, you know, and, and what he's given us, you know. And all we have to do is just come and receive it. And even sometimes the thing, if we come in treatable, and that means in, in humility, the things that we think are soaring over our heads, the Holy God, the Holy Spirit, because he's the only one that can do it. He stores it up. And then he gives it to us at the exact moment that we need it. And we may think we're missing things. We're not. The Holy Spirit in John 14, 26, and John 15, 26, and John 16, and verse 7, he's storing it up. All we have to do is be humble. Be humbled and submit to God's plan. And then he brings out all the beauty of these things. Like only, like only he can do. Yeah. So God's desire, God, God met, listen, God met his desire for us through his son. And that's why, again, it says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Now, where does God the Father, where does all his delight? It's in his son. Is his son in us now? Through Christ's person and the work he's finished. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now listen, and he will give you his desire. And that's, that's him loving us. Listen, do we have any energy in our weak, frail vessels? Experientially, when we don't have love. We just don't. And God manifests it through light. He manifests it through light. And that's why even in Psalm 34 and verse 5, it, we, are, we are his lit up ones. <laughs> you know, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, you can start in verse 40 and go to 49. We're his little stars that shine in the night of his absence. But soon he's going to call all those stars together. And when we're in heaven, we're in, we're in eternity, there's no need for the sun, the moon, and the stars. We see that in Revelation 21, 22, 23, and 24, because the Lamb is the light thereof. That's What that's speaking of is Revelation 2.17, individually for us. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's just incredible. And, uh, and God gives it to us. And God has to wait to be gracious. What, what is he waiting for? What was he waiting for me in areas? The flesh to, to be me and be separated. 
because God's love only flows through grace. And do we think the flesh wants anything to do with something it doesn't deserve? Never. Matter of fact, it's strong, settled thoughts and feelings of hatred toward God in Romans 8, verse 7. And that's what we have in us. Oh, but thank God that's not who we are. Thank God it's not how he sees us. He never, in Job 36, 7, he never removes his eye from the righteous. And who is our righteousness? Our right standing in him. And our right standing has to do with our character. And out of true character comes a true experience. And that's, that's bringing in the reality of our standing in Romans 5, 2, and our state, our present condition. And that's the need of the word to come in and separate the soul from the spirit in Hebrews 4, verse 12. Because otherwise, in the midst of spiritual warfare, we're in, we were born in conflict. That's right. And without that, what do, we, do we take the sword of the spirit? Think the flesh will do that? Flesh doesn't need this, doesn't need God. Where is this where you get all this teaching? You don't need God. Jesus did this, now you do all this. This is where we get covenant theology, lordship, salvation, and you name it. Annihilationism, universalism, all this crazy isms, you know, all these isms that the flesh is wide open to in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. In the latter days, some will depart from the faith. Did some of Jesus' disciples go back in John 6, 66 and walk no more with him? Yes. Yeah. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith. What happens? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines that demons will teach you. Having their conscience seared, cauterized in these things. And and conscience has to do with proper experience. Proper experience has to do with a proper image and not leaving our place and giving place to to Satan in in Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Anyway. Those are some thoughts, and I'm, yeah, we're all here just receiving these things and, and God giving them to us in a very beautiful way. So, did anyone have any thoughts or is God stirring? 